Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Real Church for Real People. Are you glad to be in church today? So glad you've joined us this weekend. And if you're here for the first time, I hope you're having a great experience so far. It is a big weekend in the life of our church. It is the weekend of our Middletown location launch. We're so fired up about that. For all of you at Middletown High School right now, we're celebrating with you. Thank you for coming to church today. Everyone on our launch team there, thank you for setting the stage in Middletown. And our Hocassin location is going to two gatherings today to make room for more people there. So at all of our locations, can we just give it up for everything God is doing in the life of our church? It's amazing, and I'm, I'm so glad that you are a part of it. And then at all of our locations, it's also the kickoff of our fall semester of J Groups, which are small groups of people doing life together throughout the week just to connect and grow uh, spiritually together. So I encourage you, if you haven't yet, find a group, sign up, show up this week, and it could be a really important and powerful part of your fall. So we are wrapping up a series this weekend. We've been talking about, over the past few weeks, what happens when good things in our lives turn bad. So when we get too attached to, obsessed with, or dependent on certain people or priorities or possessions, and whatever our background or lack of one with faith or church, maybe you've been around church in your life here and there, maybe you've been going to church since you were a little kid, maybe this is your first church experience. But regardless, we, we can all relate to this, right? Too much of a good thing. When we set something up in our lives and starts out good and we just get too focused on it and Next weekend, we're going to kick off a brand new series that I'm very excited about. It's all about some of the stories that Jesus told and an angle that you may have not considered before of what he was trying to get across and what it means for his purpose in our lives. So make sure you come back for that. But for today, I hope this message can really help you wherever you are in your spiritual journey. See God more clearly and see your own life in a clearer light as well. So sound good? We're going we're gonna to jump in. Uh, to the message today. When my daughter was very little, uh, she started asking for a dog. I don't know how many parents have been through this situation, but I very quickly, kindly, but firmly let her know that our family would never have a dog. Uh, I was not just, I just was not a dog person. I didn't have any problem with dogs as long as it's your dog. Like, I'm good with your dog because you got to feed it, train it, walk it, do all those things. I just did not want to be responsible for that uh, in our family. But my daughter was persistent, and she finally wore me down. No exaggeration, took her 10 years. It was the slide presentation she created that got me uh, toward the end, and uh, she had all these slides, like all the reasons our family would benefit from a dog, and so guess what? We have a dog. We have a dog. Her name is Peggy, and I know some of you are thinking, like, I have an aunt named Peggy. Never heard of a dog named Peggy. I understand. Did not have a vote in this matter, so our, our dog's name is Peggy, and I am a dog person now. At least I am a Peggy the dog person now. I, I like our dog, love our dog, honestly. Just uh, really, I've become a dog person. But I am a little worried about something. Uh, as we've had this dog for a few years now, a very important part of our family, but I've gotten increasingly concerned because I've heard that over time, dogs begin to resemble their people. Or maybe people begin to resemble their dogs. I'm not sure which it is, but I don't know if you've heard of this. Actually, it's a very concerning scientific phenomenon. You may be aware of this, uh, but it's, it's a real problem. You know, people, uh, people don't realize, but it's a significant issue. And uh, you just got to... <laughs> oh, that's, I love that. Yeah, so it's, it's a real problem. 
One more, one more. It's my favorite. <laughs> Actually, that's not my favorite. This is my favorite. <laughs> so I'm concerned. I mean, can you see why I'm worried? I don't want to end up like this. And I, you know, people uh, at the start of the weekend kind of asking, why didn't you show a picture of, of your dog? And I was like, I don't, because I'm just scared. I'm nervous. I don't want, I don't want this. I want to avoid this. And here's what I know. You and I may or may not end up looking like our dog if we have a dog, but all of us are being shaped, right? Over time, we're starting to resemble someone or something, and we're being shaped by the priorities in our lives and the things that matter to us. And the other thing I know is that all of us walk around with this question inside of us all the time. It's a very human question. It does not matter what you believe about God or church or anything like that. We all carry this question around about our future. What will my life look like? It's, it's a question. It's inside of us all the time. At the end of this semester, when I graduate, three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, what will my life look like? We're, we're dying to know. And we want to know, what will my relationships look like? What will my money look like? What will my mental health look like? My physical health? What or whom will I end up resembling? Who am I becoming? What, where am I headed in life? And Is it the right direction? And the question for today's message is, what if there was a way to know in advance what our lives will eventually look like? And I believe there is, but first, to get to it, we have to talk about idols. And if you are new to church or the Bible, this actually goes back to the second book of the Old Testament, a book called Exodus. And in Exodus, we read about God speaking to his people, speaking to the Jewish People And he says this, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not have any other God but me. Now, for the sake of the message today, some of us may be wondering, what exactly is a God? Like when you use that word, what, what do you mean? And very simply, it's whatever matters most to us. Whatever, whoever we are depending on, we are looking to ultimately for hope, for direction. And some of us may say, I don't really have anything like that. Some of us would say, oh, I believe in that. There's a higher power out there. And that's a God. And for some of us, this is where the God who says these words loses us. Because he is, he is insisting on a relationship that sounds pretty exclusive, doesn't it? You must not have any other God's but me, and for some of us, we go, I don't know if I like that. It's, that's, a, that's really, there's not a lot of wiggle room in there. It feels kind of narrow, like it doesn't give me a lot of flexibility. And it is true that in a lot of relationships in this life, exclusive is not healthy. If you've got like a friend who's like, hey, I'm your only friend. You must have no other friends but me. That's, that's a little odd, okay? You might want to walk. You might want to just get away from that. Some relationships, if you've been dating for two weeks and the other person's like, you're the only one for me, you know, like you complete me. Some of you are like, that happened last night. I know, you might want to check that out. Like, just talk to somebody about that's not necessarily healthy. It's got really quiet here in the room at Newark. I don't know how many of you experienced that. We can, we can maybe talk later. But a lot of relationships, not healthy for them to be exclusive or quickly exclusive. But there are some examples of relationships like this that many of us can relate to. For instance, for me, I'm married. Not all of us are married, but I'm married. So I kind of get this on one level because my wedding day was a day when Susie, my wife, essentially, she didn't use these words, these were not in our vows, but she essentially was saying this, you, Mark, you must not have any other wife but me. 
And that is an ongoing requirement in our relationship for her, just so you know. It's not like she was like, okay, you know, we've been together three years, now we've been married three years, now you can start bringing other wives home. No. <laughs> no. Again, very, very quiet here in, at our broadcast location. I'm not sure how many of us are practicing polygamy, but we'll talk about that. Another series, another time. No judgment here, but I think there is a better way. But anyway, this just, I get it. Like the relation, for our marriage to work, it must be exclusive. If you take the exclusivity away, you take the relationship away. And God is saying, hey, for my relationship with you to work, you must have no other God but me. I mentioned earlier our dog, Peggy. She really is a, a great dog. And I think part of the reason is because she is a rescue dog. So she was abandoned, uh, ended up at a high-kill shelter, and we worked through a little agency, and we adopted her. We brought her into our family, and I think this is why she's so devoted to us. And when she first came into our home, she was very, very anxious and nervous. You could just kind of tell that she didn't know if she was going to be allowed to stay. But over time, we've convinced her. You know, we've encouraged her consistently. We've corrected her when we needed to. We've made it clear, hey, you're a part of this family. And what God is saying here in Exodus for all of us who know him and have this kind of relationship with him is that this is our story. That we, we can relate to Peggy. <laughs> he rescued us. It's not like he just came into our lives and made our lives 9% better. Or it's like, well, I was doing pretty good, then God came along, and I was doing even better. No, he rescued us. And for the people God says this to in the book of Exodus, their slaves have been slaves in Egypt for a long time. And God, by his strong right hand, the Bible says, just this image of God reaching out and he rescued his people. You can read about it in the book of Exodus. It's a powerful narrative. God rescued his people. And for us today... God rescues us from a different kind of slavery. We are often enslaved to our own faulty thinking and our own wrong choices, what the Bible refers to as sin. And you may not like that word, but sin simply means all the stuff inside of us and around us that's constantly trying to mess us up. It's always getting in between God's best for us and our best for God and getting between us and what God wants for us. And God rescues us from a life of being enslaved to that and he does it through Jesus. He adopts us spiritually as his own children. He brings us into his family. God says, you are, you are no longer abandoned. You are, you are no longer enslaved to what you used to be enslaved to. Now I'm rescuing you and I'm choosing you as my own. And you belong to me forever, which is why the real God says, you must not make for yourself an idol, a false god, a something else that you believe in and trust in of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. In other words, if we want to know the real God in a real way, there can't be anything or anyone in our lives more important to us than him. You must not have any other God but me, God says. And one of the ways that God's people remembered this was to write psalms or songs about who God was and, and his goodness and his grace and even write songs about when they were going through difficult times, how God had rescued them or would rescue them. And there's a whole book in the Old Testament full of these. Uh, it's called Psalms, and it's really these poetic works that were often set to music, and they, they describe the goodness of God so often in our lives, we lose sight of how good God actually is. And so the Psalms remind us, 
And one of these psalms in particular, Psalm 115, talks about the danger of idols. Because so often we set things up in our lives as good things, relationships, goals, ambitions, belongings, nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But we begin to set them up and they, they start out many times as good things, but they turn bad in our lives when we over-focus on them. We start looking to them for our identity, like I, for many of us, our career is who we are, or our, our net worth is how we think of ourselves, or our, our status, or our reputation, or what's parked in the garage, or uh, the address that we pull up to, or, or how popular we are. We just begin to over-focus on those things, and we draw identity and a sense of purpose from them, and then they turn bad. And Psalm 115 reminds us why the real God is the only worthy place to put our devotion. And it reads like this. Now remember what we read in Exodus, you must have no other gods but me, and then listen to this psalm. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, which is a way of describing God's character and his identity, goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Have you ever suddenly become aware of how much you needed someone else to achieve what you'd achieved? Many of us, we, we go through life, and for a while, we think, oh, I am charting my own course. I am paving my own path. Like, I'm just, I am large and in charge. But you get a little ways into your life and you begin to realize, oh, I couldn't have done this without some other people. Like I, I am not self-made ultimately. Some other people have been involved. You see this in every awards acceptance speech, right? I want to thank our great director and our amazing team and mom, thank you mom, I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't believed in me. And uh, it's just this acknowledgement that when we're being recognized for doing something great, if we've, if we've really kind of examined our lives to any extent, we've got a humility about us that goes, I did not get here on my own. And so for all of us zooming out, this psalm is saying that it's actually God who deserves the thanks for what's good in our lives. But ultimately, it all comes from God. So this psalm starts out by reminding us we are nothing without God. We're nothing without God. Now, some of you go, oh, I do all kinds of things without God. I mean, I've been doing great without God. Yeah, but you've been using everything God created to get it done. If he hadn't created it, you couldn't do it. <laughs> So we are, we are nothing without God. We need God. And God gets the credit because anything we accomplish in this life is only because of his unfailing love and faithfulness. So not to us, not to us, God, but to you goes all the glory. And then listen to this next part. Why let the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. Two things we got to know about God. And here's the first one. If you've ever thought or said, I will believe it when I see it. In fact, just by a show of hands, all of our locations, how many of us have said, I'll believe it when I see it? Your 12-year-old said they cleaned their room and you said, I'll believe it when I see it. Your dad said, I picked up some cool new youth language. I've been using it at work and I look really cool. You said, I'll believe it. <laughs> When I see it, I'll believe it when I see it is actually a great approach in a lot of situations. It's like trust but verify, right? I'll believe it when I see it. Incredible deals, wild conspiracy theories, outlandish promises. I'll believe it when I see it. But it does not work with God because he is invisible. Our God is in 
the heavens. He's in the spiritual realm. So when this was written, many nations around Israel worshipped visible gods of their own making. So they would set up a statue, they would build something, they would, or they would choose like the sun or the moon and say, we worship that, that's our God. And it was very visible and tangible. They would bow down to it. And so then they would encounter some of God's people and they would say, oh, here's our God. Like here he is right over here. You can see him. This is what he looks like. Uh, this is our God. Where's your God? And the people of God would say, oh, you can't see our God. He's in the heavens. He's in the spiritual realm. And for some of you today, maybe this is why you've struggled to believe in God for this very reason, because it means putting your faith in a power and a person that you cannot see. And that's a challenge. But sooner or later, all of us have to do this. All of us have to choose to believe in some things we can't see. Gravity, for instance. I cannot see it. I have proven a few times that it exists. Anybody else? Like, I know it's real. I cannot show, like, here's gravity. Would you welcome gravity? No, but I know it's real. The wind. I've never seen it, but I've seen what it has done. And so I believe in the wind. And I've consistently seen what it has done. Love. Cannot see love. But if you go through life never believing in love, that's an empty life. Because love is real even though you can't see it. Hope. These are all things that sooner or later we all have to decide, okay, I'm going to have a short list. Man, when it comes to most of this world, I believe it when I see it. But I'm going to have a short list of things that I'm going to believe in even though I can't see them. And at the top of that list is God. He is invisible. And when I trust in the real God and I say, I don't need a physical, something I can see to believe in. I have seen what God can do and I have seen who God is. When I trust in the real God, even though I can't see him with my eyes, I can know that he is good even when bad things are happening around me. And when I trust in the real God, I can know that he is with me even when I feel alone. I can know that he is guiding my life even when my future seems uncertain. So first thing we got to know about God is he is in the heavens. He is invisible. And the second thing we need to know is that not only is God in the heavens, in the spiritual realm, but he does as he wishes. So God is ridiculously in charge of everything. He has all power, all wisdom, which is great. But this could be hard for us too, because what it means is that God doesn't always do as we wish. He does as he wishes, which is why so often we're tempted to set up little g gods, other things, priorities. We wouldn't call them gods, but we take things in this world and we put our faith in them. We put our faith in our abilities, our resumes, our relationships, reputations, our plans, our money, or our influence. We are picking gods that we think will do as we wish. Because deep down, we have this struggle. All of us want a God that's really powerful, as long as he does what we want. We don't really want a God sometimes. We want a genie. We want a God that's like, okay, God, grant me my wishes. And then go back in your bottle. Don't mess with me when I don't need you to mess with me. And the problem with that is that the real God does as he wishes. You cannot control this God. That's why we choose gods we think we can control, because we're intimidated by the real one we can't. You can't control this God. But here's the good news. When you start to get to know God, you find out what he wishes. Do you know what he wishes most? The whole story of God revolves around his greatest wish, to rescue us. 
to save us, to help us, to care for us, even though it won't always look the way we wish. That's what God wants. But all of that only works when he's our only God. When our God who's in the heavens and does as he wishes becomes our only God and we have no other God but him. Because the problem with the idols that people in this world set up is this, that their idols are merely things of silver and gold. They're shaped by human hands. They're not God. They have mouths but cannot speak and eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear and noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel and feet but cannot walk and throats but cannot make a sound. In other words, when we shape our own God out of some priority or possession or focus in this world, we are asking it to do a job it cannot do. It cannot be God for us. It just doesn't have the ability. And sooner or later, what will happen is when we take something or person or focus in this life, anything in this world, and we get too attached to it, too obsessed with it, too dependent on it, sooner or later, listen, it will let us down. The day will come when we're like, hey, hey God, I need you. Hey, job, I need you. Hey, marriage, I need you. Hey, money, I need you. Hey, reputation, I need you. And it will say, I can't. I I have feet, but I can't walk. I have a mouth, but I can't speak. You gave me a job I couldn't do. Who are you giving God's job to right now? Who can't do it? What are you giving God's job to right now that isn't capable of it? It just can't be God. Why? Because it's really shaped by our hands. So what happens is the more we chase after these idols, and I know this a lot, right? You're like, could you choose a sunny day to talk about this? I get it, I get it, I get it. It's a lot, but listen, it's important because the more we chase after these idols, and I do this too, by the way, we all do. We fall into this trap, but the more we do it, the more anxious and fearful and powerless we become. Why? Because that thing, that plan, that job, that person, that money, that goal, that sweet gig we worked out for ourselves, some part of us knows deep down, again, it cannot do what we're asking it to do ultimately. We can't rely on it completely. It can't rescue us. So we're always fearful and anxious. We get the thing, like we buy the car, we get the job, we graduate, we get the degree, we start the career, we start the business, we we get the success. And at first we're like, oh yeah, okay, this is great. And then some part of us starts to worry, right? What if it doesn't stay? What if they leave me? What if it falls apart? What if the business doesn't work? And you know what? It might not. And they might leave. And it might fall apart. And what then? And for some of us, that's where we are. Our God walked away and we don't know what to do. And the real God says, are you ready to be rescued yet? Are you ready for a real power in your life that will never leave you or forsake you? And that's not the only problem with our idols, by the way. Not only will the stuff we put our trust in inevitably let us down if we put all our hope in it, but there is one other problem because something else happens along the way when we look away from the real God and we make our own gods. And here's the next part of the psalm. And those who make idols are, watch this, just like them, the resemblance is uncanny, as are all who trust in them. What does that mean? It means that people who make their own God end up like this. Had to give you one more. That's funny, because you can't tell who the dog is. 
and who the God is. And when we shape our own gods, when we put our trust in things in this world, the gods we have shaped start shaping us. The thing that we made, that we set up and put our trust in, starts to influence us and we become more like whatever or whoever is most important to us. Which is why God wants to rescue us and he wants to take us on a spiritual journey. What our church is all about. God wants to help us see him more clearly and in the process see our own lives more clearly and find real security in this life which cannot be found in the things in this world. And that's why we gather like this, to be reminded who the real God is and how much we need him. It's why we connect in groups. When we do life with a few other people who are putting the real God front and center and taking steps toward him, God works through that. People going the same direction spiritually, that shapes us and we begin to see who God is more clearly. It's why we serve and make a difference in our church and in our communities because we're looking more and more like the real God. Because remember, we're all walking around with this question inside of us. What will our lives look like? And here's the answer. Whoever we love and listen to most. That's what our lives are ultimately going to look like. We may or may not end up looking like our dog. But all of us will one day look a whole lot like our God. So what or who is your God right now? And is that person or that priority, or that plan, worthy of the job? Can it take care of you forever? That's a promise only the real God can make. Now, the truth is we do need somewhere to put our trust. So if we just try to get rid of our idols without replacing them, it won't last long. And some of us have experienced this. Some of us have white-knuckled our way forward in life. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can get it right. Some of us have used religion as a replacement for a relationship with the real God. And we think following the traditions or rules of our religion is going to secure us and hold us up and And we're becoming increasingly dissatisfied because the more we try to follow the rules, the emptier we feel. So if it's not going to be that stuff, if it's not going to be our plans or the position we hold or want to be in or the person we're with or want to be with, our goals, our income, that third drink we need to wind down, that possession that we're protecting, that hobby we're consumed by, if that's not where we're going to put our trust, where are we going to put our trust? Well, the real God thought we'd never ask. And here's the answer. O Israel, O people of God, trust the Lord. Why? Because he is your helper and your shield. Where will you find the security and the protection and the wholeness that you crave in this life? In just one place, in a relationship with the real God. The one you can't see, the one who is ridiculously in charge of everything. The real God who is your helper, who is right there with you, whatever you're going through right now. The real God who is your shield, who is watching over and protecting you, whatever you're going through right now. And that's what God wants for you, that you would not have any other God but Him. 
because he's the only one who can rescue you and help you and shield you in the end. He's the only one worthy of the job. Only one person can do the God job, and it's the real God. And that's why Jesus came, to reveal that to us and to rescue us. Jesus died to pay for the forgiveness of our sins, all the junk inside of us and around us that has messed us up. Jesus died for the forgiveness of that, to bring us back to the real God. And when you know the real God through faith in Jesus, you don't have to prove yourself anymore. You don't have to walk around frantically trying to figure out your own life, always fearful that someone could pull the rug out from under you. When you know the real God, you can trust the Lord because he is your helper and your shield. And when you see God like that and you let him be your only God, something amazing happens. Because remember our question, what will my life look like? Where am I headed? Who am I becoming? What does my future hold? And remember the answer, it's whoever you love and listen to most. So you are becoming every day a little bit more like whatever or whoever is most important to you. Just like dogs over time start to resemble their people. <laughs> and people start to resemble their dogs. Every day you look more like whatever or whoever you trust the most and you spend the most time thinking about and with and connected to. And when that's God, every day you become a little bit more like God. So when you know the real God, here's what you discover. Oh, this God is powerful. He's not like the gods of this world that when you really need them, they're not there for you. No, this God is all powerful. And when you trust in and love and listen to the real God, you become more like him. You become more powerful. The power you're looking for in your life is not in some outward display of strength. It's actually a quiet confidence where you wake up every day of your life knowing if God is for me, what can stand against me? He's powerful, and I'm becoming more like him. So I feel powerful in the right kinds of ways. When you get to know the real God, you realize he's loving. So you become, as you love and listen to God, more loving. You can lay your resentment aside. You don't have to carry your bitterness around. Some of us have made a God of our resentment towards somebody or something that did us wrong. Every day we worship it. You say, I don't worship it. Yeah, you do. You spend so much time thinking about it. That's worship. <laughs> When you get to know the real God, you realize, oh, he was able through his son Jesus to let go of the sin of the world. I can let go of what's been done to me. I can be free because the real God is working in me. When you get to know the real God, you realize, oh, man, this God has never been anxious about anything ever. God's never had a day when he's like, ooh, freaking out a little bit. Not sure how everything. No, this God is He's calm, he's content, he's focused, he's clear. So as you love and listen to God, guess what happens? Your anxieties begin to diminish because you become more like whoever you love and listen to most. The recipe for your anxiety is not figuring out how to get more out of this world. It's looking beyond this world to the real God who can give you peace on the inside. What will your life look like? Whoever or whatever you love and listen to most. So take the next step today. Away from the idols of this world that can't do what you're asking them to do and toward the real God. Come back next weekend 
And I know for some of you, maybe you're not sure you believe any of this yet. That's okay. You don't have to believe anything to come here. You do owe it to yourself to give this three or four weeks and see if there's anything to this God thing. Is there anything to this Jesus thing? And if you've given up on religion or you're mad at God about something, come be mad at him. Just be mad at him here and see what he does in your life. Invite someone to experience God with you at your location next weekend. Take a step. Join a J group and show up this week ready to connect and grow. After all, you're going to end up somewhere and you're going to end up looking like someone. Why not the real God who created you and has a plan for your life? And if you would say today, man, I'll receive that. This, this message is for me. I want to lean in this fall to getting closer to the real God. I want to know more of him and more of what he's like. And I want to lean into not having any other God but him. I wonder, would you just shoot your hand up all of our locations? Yeah, all over the room. Just hold it up high. Online, you could do that right where you are as well. And let me pray it over us. God, our Father and our King, you are the real God. We come to you. God, we, we acknowledge in this moment that's, that someone or something for many of us has subtly started to take your place. We're thinking more about that than we are about you. We're focused more on them than we are on you. God, we pray right now that you'll remind us that it's your unfailing love and faithfulness that holds us up. Come on, would you make this personal right now? Would you tell God, you are my helper. You are my shield. I trust in you, Lord, you alone. You hold up my life. And while you let God speak to your heart for a moment more, maybe really let him reestablish himself as God in your life. I want to speak to any of, of you in any of our rooms or watching online, and maybe you're not ready to believe in God yet. Again, that's okay. Just come back next weekend. But I really want to speak to some of you that over the past few minutes you've realized my life is not looking like I wanted it to look like. Maybe things even look good from the outside looking in, but you know there is a, an emptiness inside of you. You need something more than what this world can give you. And the real God wants you to know today, he sent his son Jesus to rescue you from an empty life, from a life of slavery to sin. And Jesus gave his life, pay for the forgiveness of your sins, and then he rose again to fill you with power to live a new kind of life. And if you want that today, I'm going to lead us in prayer again, all of our locations. And this is your opportunity right where you are to whisper out a prayer of faith and put your faith in Jesus today and begin following him. So if that's you, I want everyone to join me again. Let's open our hearts up big to God. And if that's you today, you want to start following Jesus right where you are. Whisper out a prayer, something like this. You can use my words if it helps you. Pray with faith in your heart. Jesus, today, I'm trusting you with my life. I believe you died to forgive me and that you rose again and that you're real. I need you to rescue me. So do it today, I pray. And from this day forward, Jesus, I will follow you. And if that's you, everyone around you is focused on God. If you would say, I want to be included in that prayer, would you lift your hand, just hold it up high, boldly, all over the room, Newark and Middletown, Hocassett, hold it up high. My faith is in Jesus today. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, online, you can type the word faith in the comments. Let us know you're taking that step. Make sure you share that with us on a Connect card before you leave in a few minutes. But for right now, Journey, would you help me? Let's give Jesus all the praise. Can you do that with me?